Longbox Crusade presents G.I. Joe Chronicles The Devil's Due Years. Welcome to G.I. Joe Chronicles, The Devil's Due Years. I'm one of your commanders, Pat Sampson, codename DJ Christados. And joining me, as always, is my battle buddy in this operation, Jared Albrecht, the yard sale artist, codename Death Probe. Eddie's DJ Christados, and to all the green shirts tuning in for this podcast, I want to welcome you all to Fort Longbox. We appreciate you tuning in to talk about some more post-2000 G.I. Joe comics with us as we chronicle our way through the Devil's Due Run. On this episode of G.I. Joe Chronicles, DJ Christados and I are going to rotate in a special ops guest for the show. For this episode, our special ops guest is... Ryan Daly, codename Battle Balls. (laughs) Welcome to Fort Longbox. Thank you for having me. It took me long enough. Well, (laughs) there's a lot of paperwork that has to be processed to get to Fort Longbox. Got to get all your IDs and security clearances and you didn't pass any of that. That's why we're recording just outside (laughs) the gate. (laughs) But this is a part of the show where we debrief our dear recruits. And what that basically means, Ryan, please give us your origin story with G.I. Joe, how you came to love it. And then you can give us your three favorite characters, be they Joes or Cobras. What do you got? Well, I will tell you, first of all, that I love being debriefed. It is (laughs) one of my favorite pastimes. This is why he's not allowed inside the wire. As, as for my G.I. Joe origin story, I grew up with it. Literally, I mean, G.I. Joe, a real American hero, came out the year after I was born. So I was a baby when, you know, this property was coming out. And where it came into my life was my older brother had been collecting the Star Wars, you know, action figures and everything. As that line was fading out with, you know, Return of the Jedi, he wanted extra bodies to supplement the Endor Rebel Troopers. We actually had two Endor Rebel Troopers and he wanted more. And they stopped making Star Wars toys. But at the same time, it's like, here are these other characters that have just sort of generic green bodies kind of look like that so he got grunt and rock and roll and started adding them to the <laughs> and before long he just he started getting more of those and my mom got him a few others like snake eyes and flash and as a baby i liked flash because he had bright shiny colors and everything like that so before long he was getting a few of them by the time he was fading out and growing out of the toys is when i was old enough to start collecting them on my own so i did throughout the 80s and 90s i loved the cartoon you know, i liked transformers at times i liked teenage mutant ninja turtles at times but G.I. Joe was my first and strongest fandom for the longest time. It was the very first comic books I ever read were issues 73, 74, and 75 of the original Mm. run. I was homesick, and my mom and my brother came back from the grocery store with three comics, and it blew my mind. I I knew what comics were, but I hadn't had one in my hands, and there was three issues of G.I. Joe. And for fans of the old Marvel run, you might know that those issues are right in the heart of the Cobra Island Civil War, one of the most beloved you know, story arcs from that original run. I was like, oh my gosh, it's the G.I. Joes, but they're working with Serpentor to fight against Cobra Commander. What is going on? And oh my god, I think Zartan murdered Serpentor in this issue. What just happened? <laughs> this, this, I only watched the cartoons, and I'm like, wow, well, they're blowing my mind with this stuff. And then G.I. Joe was the first comic book that I collected, and I followed that along, and I loved it. So, Joe has always been one of my favorite fandoms. As for favorite characters, well, Jared, unlike you and your brother, Brother and Delvin, you know, I, I don't have a military background in them. The reason for that is I'm really bad at following orders. So when you ask me to name my top three favorite Joes, I'm going to give you my top ten. Ah, okay. Well, oh, so this is why he's not allowed in the gate, but go ahead. Strap him. <laughs> Number one, my favorite Joe is Spirit. Something about it. I always love him from the cartoon, even though he doesn't look like a soldier and everything. Like, there's just something unconventional about him. I just, I like the character. That's another one um, that. He's cool, man. He's got a good number, design and he's yeah. unique. Yeah. Number two, Gung Ho, just like the, the shirtless, barrel chested Marine with a thick Cajun accent shooting yeah. a grenade launcher. I just love that. Like, he just growing up fighting alligators or something about it. I was like, yeah, I want to party with him. Um, number three, strangely, Torpedo. Even though he was the guy who's just like uh, stuck in that wetsuit, it seemed like he, you could only ever play with him in the bathtub. <laughs> it didn't make sense in any other environment. But was it the cartoon version of him, though? The way he I, talked? I did like this weird surfer accent yeah. in the cartoon. That was kind of funny, too. Made him more lovable. 
Yeah, it did. <laughs> and then once I was a little bit older and I found out actually what a Navy SEAL was and what they could do, I was like, oh, I, this character's pretty badass. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Number four, the other climate specialist, Snowjob. I really, really like Snowjob as like the, you know, the Arctic skiing guy with the, you know, like a sniper laser rifle. Number five, Stalker. Yes. I always like Stalker. He's one of my yes. favorite characters. I, I liked him as Snake Eyes, as like the guy who was frequently the voice for Snake Eyes, who was palling around with him, but actually like, you know, had that experience with them of their story in Vietnam. Also just the look from that first wave, he was the one guy with camouflage and a beret. Mm-hmm. He was unique. Number six, Breaker. I just liked him like as the communication specialist, always chewing bubble gum in the comics. He had a cool voice in the cartoon. Broke my heart when they killed him off. Number seven, Mutton Junkyard. I'm a sucker mm-hmm. for guys and their dogs and everything like that. So I just, I like that routine. Number eight, finally, Snake Eyes, the character that everybody kind of associates with and usually most people's favorite. He is in my top 10. Number nine, Rakondo. I always just thought he looked cool with the hat, the jungle fatigues. Uh, And number 10, weirdly, Tripwire. Just something about the bomb disposal guy who's also a klutz. (laughs) And I just kind of like liked his almost sci-fi looking costume and everything like that. But all from like those first three or four seasons were like real my sweet spot. I'm not going to give you my top 10 Cobras, but I could. (laughs) (laughs) I tell you what, give me the top three. Top three, Baroness. Yes. Not really any controversial about that. No. Number two and three, actually, and they kind of change positions, but it's the vehicle drivers, Wild Weasel, who came with the Rattler, and yes, Copperhead, yeah. who came with the Water nice. Rocket. Great designs like, for both of them. Yeah, yeah. And it just, have I made the list of top 50 G.I. Joe's? I have. <laughs> I'm not going to subject you with that. I tell you I what, do, when you make your return appearance, we'll do <laughs> 11 through 20. <laughs> I'm not joking. When we have a bet on, we're going to pick up with this. We're going 11 to 20. (laughs) All right. Wild Bill through Cover Girl. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, is Beachhead in there? Is he in the top 20? He should be, but... (laughs) Oh, man. It's my number one joke. The thing is... It's, is, I, I'm a, I am such a homer for like the first couple seasons, like by Beachhead with with year five. It's yeah, I can understand I, that. He should be up higher because I do like his character and he's he has such a cool look. But it's yeah, they gave I, him a surfer dude California accent in one of the like early 2000s animated things and just didn't uh, fit. It was weird. But anyway, I'm off topic. So I, I would think though with Ryan, he's got them all listed and he's got really great stories behind why they're at that rank that he has them at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We probably should do like a special, just do yeah, a special just a episode, Ryan's just Ryan's special, yeah. list, and then we discuss the Barretts therein. I like mm-hmm. it, though. It's a good list. You can't go wrong as G.I. Joe. No. Is there a bad one? Like, who's the worst Joe? I can't even think of one. I'm sure I could if I put enough brain power into it. <laughs> I mean, towards the, like, once you got to, like, 1994, when they had an ice cream soldier. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds delicious. <laughs> All right, well, enough of these shenanigans. I will turn it back over to DJ Cristados for this episode's Intelligence Report. All right, well, thank you, Jared. I'm glad you asked. For this mission, we will be covering G.I. Joe number five. Publisher was Image. Got a cover date of April 2002, but its on-sale date was April 3rd, 2002. Editor was Scott Worley. Writer is Josh Blaylock. Friend of the show. Penciler, Eric Wolf. Hanson. Mm-bop. Oh, nice mix of Wolf and Hanson. We did there. <laughs> like a remix. <laughs> Inker is John Larder and Barbara Schultz. Colorist is Hi-Fi Color Design. And letterer is Dreamer Designs. Cover credits go to Steve Kurth. And speaking about the cover, Death Probe, please take us through the cover description. Can do. The image eye is orange, and the cover price is two ninety five. The main action focuses on Duke as he falls down an alleyway, but he's looking pretty tough, wielding some two-fisted pistol action. And he might be okay, because he does have a rope attached around his belt. And that's about it. Got a falling Duke on the cover. Back to you, Pat. Oh, Duke, don't fall. I guess I should mention that he's not in his typical uniform. He's dressed completely in black. Tactical gear. He's got his tactile neck on and all that jazz. But yeah, that is the one big difference. And uh, that's a hint as to what's going to be in this issue. And I love it. I've skipped right to the end. Okay. It's a 10. <laughs> <laughs> the cover or the... Well, uh, let's let's find do, out. Yeah, let's do things in order. Well, speaking about doing things in order, let's go ahead and find out what you guys think of the cover. And we'll start with our guest, Battle Balls, Ryan Daly. Oh. 
<laughs> it's a great looking cover. I remember I was a sophomore in college when this series came out, and I, I was excited when I found out they were bringing G.I. Joe back. I, I was so pumped for this. And this was also right around the time I was finally getting my own computer and discovering this internet thing. And for like purposes besides like schoolwork and everything, and I could look up my hobbies and stuff. I was like finding like previews with like upcoming comics and stuff like that. So I remember seeing this cover before I got the comic in my hand, and I was like, oh, that's a cool Snake Eyes. Did they fix his face or something like that? Like, I didn't realize that it was Duke. I assumed it was Snake Eyes on the cover because mm-hmm. I knew nice. he's a blonde hair. I was like, they must have fixed his face or something like that, or or this is a flashback or something like that. So that's my only kind of like note. It's like just from the personal feeling, I felt like it was I was, it was misleading. <laughs> I just kind of like assumed it was Snake Eyes, but really, like, there's no reason for me to scrutinize or hold that against it. I do think it is a great looking cover. It's a great looking image. I just, I look at that and I still don't see Duke. I see something else. Jerry, what are your thoughts on the cover? I think it's great. I guess because I was really steeped into the first four issues, I didn't have the Snake Eyes Duke mix up. I thought, oh, we're going to see Duke doing his special ops thing. So it landed right with me. But now that Ryan says that, I could easily see thinking that this is Snake. It's like one katana sword away from being definitely Snake. If you put the mask on him. But it's great. It has a wonderful perspective. It has a wonderful motion to it. It's got a great facial expression. We know Steve Kurth from the interiors of the first four issues where his covers were done by J. Scott Campbell. That Mm-mm, good. Right. And now Kurth steps up to be cover artist and he hits a solid, solid ball out of the park, I would say. Mm-hmm. This is a wonderful cover. So look for a high score from me. But Pat, what are your thoughts? Definitely it can see the Snake Eyes influence here on this cover, just in that black suit that he's wearing. And what I find interesting as I sit here looking at this right now is the blurriness and some of the bricks and all that that even make it look really cool. Like the focus is on his face, but as you get further out, it gets blurrier and blurrier. And mm-hmm. I, that's cool. something I haven't seen on a cover in a while. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really cool. It definitely adds to the falling illusion of the cover. It puts motion. I didn't even notice that. You mentioned it just now. Yeah, it's just blurry. I'm like, I had to look at it a little bit and I'm go, is something wrong with my glasses? But then I look, nope, they made it blurry to give you that feel. Yeah, it was great. The only thing that I'm off put on it is after reading the story, this doesn't happen. You shut up, Pat. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm not. No, it's definitely one of those that's more of a feel of the story uh, yeah. other than an actual moment. So that's fair. Yeah. Definitely agree with you both that this is a great cover. So why don't we just go ahead and get to giving away our flag points for this one. And we're going to rate this cover on a scale of one to ten flag points. One meaning you didn't like it at all and ten meaning it's perfect and you should make a recruiting poster out of it. So, Ryan, recruiting poster or you didn't like it? <laughs> Or somewhere in between. <laughs> Those are really the only... See, I'm boxing them in there. <laughs> Definitely closer to the poster. I probably would give Pamphlet. this a nine. The only thing I don't actually like about it, and I, I'm not even saying like, I don't like about it, it just sort of almost a little bit distracting is his facial expression, like how wide his mouth is open. That should be breaking his jaw with how far apart <laughs> like his teeth are and everything. And he's got some crazy eyes, like, oh man, he should be like shouting like Zeppelin rules or something. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the more I look at it, it's like, he looks insane. It's the only kind of like nitpicky. But other than that, like, I mean, this is easily an eight or I, I think I would go up to a nine because of, as Pat was mentioning, like the visual effects that they do to the cover, like in the post-production with giving it the washed out motion effects for the bricks that are falling in. I mean, it looks very cinematic. It's very mm. exciting. I like it. Very good. Jared. I am going to take Ryan's nine and I'm going to push it all the way to a 10. I adore this cover. And I think technically it's probably a nine based off of the things that Ryan said. But as I've mentioned in previous episodes, I'm not a huge Duke guy. I always thought he was bland, very sort of uninteresting. He never did it for me. But this cover and this issue as well, as we get inside, just adds a whole other layer to this guy. It makes me go, oh, Duke. You know, (laughs) I was like, this is incredible. And I just, I love it. There's something about when I see this cover, definitely if they made a poster of it, I'd find a spot on a wall somewhere to hang that. I think it's, it's wonderful. I think Steve Kurth is in the zone. Pat? Well, I am going to agree with you as well. And we do that a lot so far on this, but I'm giving it a 10 as well, too. I like the art. I like the blurriness. I like the feeling of Duke falling. It's like, what is this issue going to be about? When I first saw it back then, it's like, was this going to be a G.I. Joe or or what's going on here? And got me interested. It's exciting. Exciting. It's an exciting cover. I'm pumped. Oh, Oh, Duke. Zeppelin. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> hey, man, is that Freedom Rock? <laughs> Turn it up! Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> With the cover out of the way, let's go back to Death Probe for some story synopsis in our mission brief. All right, DJ Cristados here on G.I. Joe Chronicles. We like to mix things up a bit. I'm going to have DJ Cristados pull the randomizer to determine the synopsis point of view. Will I tell it from Joe's point of view or Cobra's point of view? Cristados, pull that lever. And it's the Joe side. All right. Well, I kind of wasted your time on that anyway, because this is such a prequel. There's not much going on that's G.I. Joe related, but I'll do my best. Look in the eyes of a hero And see the sacrifice within There's no way out for the This issue is actually a prequel to the last story arc, giving us a peek at what Duke was doing before G.I. Joe was reinstated. He was basically James Bond for the good old U.S. of A. Working covert ops, Duke tracks down Major Blood, who is currently brokering some shady deals in Italy. An exciting game of cat and mouse with some equally exciting chase action ensues, and Duke corners Major Blood. The Major opts for a 200-foot drop into the sea below rather than to be caught. And, of course, nobody is recovered. Duke and his team search Blood's abandoned safe house and discover the plot that leads right into issue number one of this magnificent series. And that's a wrap on your synopsis. Let's get into the highs and lows of this story. You know how it works. We're going to do a couple rounds. In the first round, you can pick a high, a low, or maybe a what the. What do you got, Ryan? High, low, what the, what you got in round one? Uh, I like to start off with a high, just in general. And for this one, right off the bat, like before the story even begins, we kind of get a layout of the history of these characters. Major Blood, who is he? What is he all about? And one of the details I really, really like that they mentioned is that he famously murdered General Flag in the original Marvel series back in issue 19, which was a huge, like sort of the end of like G.I. Joe season two. Four major characters, well, four supporting characters, died in that issue and Major Blood killed General Flag and there was never really any retaliation or comeuppance for that. Mm-hmm. Eventually Larry Hama just kind of like forgot about Major Blood because Hasbro was churning out new characters and he kind of had to bring in some new toys. So I kind of felt like that was they never dealt with that as much as they could have. So I really liked that they bring that up in the in the beginning of this issue and then they actually mention it in the story. Duke actually calls attention to it that it comes back that hey this guy has the blood of the founder of the G.I. Joes on his hands. This is something that, you know, should be addressed and remembered every time we see Major Blood. So I really like that detail. Oh, fantastic comment. He added a lot of gravitas to that whole thing that, like you said, kind of got glossed over due to the speed of toys coming out. Right, right. And I I know I'm jumping in on your turn a little bit here, Pat, but, uh, you know, Major Blood always kind of almost a joke villain and they really put a layer on him you're right by bringing that in and bringing in that history perfect amount i mean this is what they've been doing on this run they grab those little nuggets from the past and go hey remember this remember this and no great comment ryan try to follow that up pat what do you got (laughs) i like the pictures yeah (laughs) the words they were really good (laughs) no i agree with ryan too i really like that back cover how they have that information in there and they've done it before as well too giving you a little more in depth on this and you know major blood he's a mercenary so yeah he's going to be a killer the way they portrayed him in here like ryan said is just really cold-blooded kind of guy what he would do to survive he'd do anything and he's on anybody's side that'll give him the money i like that this is somewhat of a kind of james bond kind of a story you know i can spot those out a lot more now oh yeah he's almost a full-blown agent Mm -hmm. over on on her majesty's secret podcast yep so i like how that plays out in here very interesting kind of reminds me of a special missions before they started doing special missions good point so you brought uh, your a game tonight pet well thank you and you've kind of almost kept it to one topic you know you (laughs) didn't do that whole thing like my high for this round is the story here are the 14 (laughs) elements of the story that i thought (laughs) <laughs> For my first round, I'm going to give myself a low, because if I had it all do over again, I would have jury-rigged the randomizer. We use a legit randomizer, and I would have made it Cobra's point of view, and I wrote, I would have wrote the whole summary as a poem. <laughs> I don't know why I didn't think of that. 
I'm really upset with myself. Did they address his poetry at all this issue? I don't think they did. No, no. not that I remember. No, they he didn't it, even say anything. They took it very seriously. And I think that's going to be my high for this round. They took Duke very seriously, and they took that joke character of Major Blood very seriously, and they gave us an espionage action-adventure one-shot that I thought was just riveting. So I guess that'll be my high. It's riveting. Page mm-hmm. turner. Flip, 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 flip. Never once was like, how long is this issue? When's it going to end? What other subplots are going to There's no other subplots. This is a cat and mouse chase thriller. Excellently executed. I think it's a wonderful thing to bring in right after you finish that first kind of heavy story arc. A little bit of a palate cleanser, but still tied into the original story That's arc. That's what I liked about it, too. Wonderful. Just wonderful. Yeah. I said I liked that it was, a, you could, they had some callback to the other four issues with mm-hmm. the gear and some of the things that we saw in that first four issues. Ryan, round two. I liked that Blood and Duke kind of felt familiar to each other. With throughout their chase and their fight and everything, they do kind of have a little bit of a back and forth dialogue. And it kind of feels like maybe they've done this dance before in the interim and they've been trying to get each other. And that part felt a little bit more reminiscent of the cartoon, but that's not a bad thing at all. That's not like a criticism or anything. But it just kind of felt like I liked the fact that, you know, some of the dialogues, like I think they each had a time to say, oh, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. Like I think that line <laughs> is actually used twice by each of them because of the other one doing something. Stepping up their game or whatever. (laughs) So I just kind of liked that that little riff between them. Yeah, and then I have a low, but I'll save that for for the next round. (laughs) He's got a wrap-up round low he's teasing us with. But I do remember when we had Josh Blaylock, writer of the series, on last episode, he was talking about how he was trying to find that perfect balance to appease history Joe comic fans, cartoon fans. And bring in a new audience. Again, uh, it wasn't just waxing his car last episode. I think he does a wonderful job of that. Mm-hmm. Like you just mentioned, tipping a little bit of the hat to the cartoon audience. And bringing in the the murder of General Flag, as you mentioned, from the comic audience. Like, he does a really good balance job. Mm-hmm. Pat? Well, I'm going to mention the art as well. Again, it was nicely done. It helped move the story along so fast, as you mentioned. I, too, was like, man, is this going to be a long read or is it going to go by fast? And as I got into it, it was just a page turner. Not a lot of words. And that's okay because the action was done in the story art. Mm Mm-hmm. Art carries the story here, mm-hmm. and it's brisk and it's simple. After we discussed, the first four issues are so full. Mm-hmm. I mean, those four issues are packed Pat. with stuff. It's kind of refreshing, like I said, to just come and go, okay, breezy, fast, fun story, but still that has meaning. Yeah. Not an off-the-shelf or in-the-desk-drawer story. There's no actual term for that kind of story that they would have. Trust me. Anyway. <laughs> are we talking about an inventory story again? No, absolutely not. I'm not sure what that is. <laughs> callbacks from twitter jokes from six months ago could be hard (laughs) but in the end for my final high as you can see i'm loving this issue and i alluded this well i didn't allude to i straight up said it before duke has never been very interesting to me major blood's never been super interesting to me the thing i liked about major blood is his costume design is really cool you know anybody with an eye patch is kind of (laughs) cool but those two characters have always been kind of like meh back burner characters for me and this story puts them in the front burner so you would think i'd go oh now i gotta suffer through this with characters i'm not really big on but man i enjoyed it because i'm a james bond guy i'm a huge bond guy we all know this Mm -hmm. and this is a bond story told in gi joe fashion and if that doesn't get your heart racing i don't know what so that is it for me. And that brings us to our final wrap-up round. I know Ryan's got something for a wrap-up round. So what do you got, buddy? I agree with you that this is a great little James Bond story, a great little, you know, sort of Mission Impossible type story. Like, this would be a great prologue to one of those movies, like the first 15 or 20 minutes of one of those. Sure. Yeah. At the same time, I don't think it's a great Joe story because of that, because I don't see the things about G.I. Joe that I love in this. I don't see the costumes. I don't see the gear. I don't see the tech. I gave you my list of 10 favorite G.I. Joes at the beginning of this because I love the G.I. Joe ensemble. Mm-hmm. I love reading the mm-hmm. story where you get the teamwork and the camaraderie and the back and forth. So part of this is just me as a subjective reader. The type of G.I. Joe story that I like is not a solo one-shot like character spotlight adventure. It's the same reason I mentioned this when we were on Aaron's show, that I respect the heck out of the silent issue, but it's not one of my favorite G.I. Joe stories just because it doesn't have a lot of more of the trappings that I love about G.I. Joe and that I I get nostalgic for and that I remember. 
for the same reason, I think this is a great little espionage type of story, but this doesn't remind me of G.I. Joe. This doesn't feel like Duke. I mean, you, you kind of conceded that like this is the first time you've been interested in Duke. It's like, I don't think it's Duke, really. I mean, nothing about Duke's history in comics or cartoons would lead me to suggest he would be sent undercover to some Russian oligarch's mansion or something and like act like he's drunk to like sneak this intelligence out. That's not the type of mission he would go on. That's not the type of character he is. I like this story in isolation, but to me, this doesn't feel like a G.I. Joe comic. And I can see this as, because we just had the, as you covered, the big four-part miniseries as a, as a slight deviation. And I would be happier with that. I would allow for that if there were more of the aesthetic qualities of G.I. Joe, if we saw some of the costumes and uniforms or some of the other characters. But the fact that, like, honestly, if you change the names and call them something other than Duke or Major Blood, would you know this is a G.I. Joe story? Because mm, of the cover. And the logo. <laughs> now, you know, Ryan has a point there about costumes. I would know by Major Blood's costume. Yeah. Okay. He does kind of look like who he's supposed to be. Would you know it's Duke? No. But I pick up what you're putting down. I mean, if you're like a huge X-Men fan, and then as they do from time to time, they break away and do a character spotlight issue on Storm or Wolverine. That's That can be fun, but you're like, I'm here for the team. You know, I, I understand Right. So again, as a James Bond MI5 type of story, I think it's great. Like, I think you could transcribe this into the prologue of one of those movies. It would be like a great first 15 minutes. This just isn't the type of G.I. Joe story that I enjoy and that I necessarily read. When you asked me to be on this one, I thought of that because I I remembered this issue and I was like, you know, of the first 10 or 11 issues of the series, this one might be my least favorite. So I could just ask them, I was like, put me on any other issue. But first of all, I don't like turning you down when you ask to be on our show. (laughs) I like talking to you guys. The other thing is me being unselfish and saying I will take one for a team and I will be generous and give the next guest the first appearance of Storm Shadow in the Devil's Dream <laughs> Years. So I, I don't need that for myself. I I don't need to give you my top 50 Joes and co like <laughs> really? Are you sure you don't need to? This is, this is really me being unselfish <laughs> and agreeing to come on and cover the issue that I am the most critical about. I don't want to sound overly critical because I do want to concede that my my major hang-up with this issue, I think, is unique to me and the type of Joe story that I am more favorable towards. I don't think this would be a problem for really anybody else. It's just there's a type of Joe story that I am have a more of a predilection for, and sure. it's not this. That's fair. I'm mm-hmm. the kind of guy that likes a little variety, and mm-hmm. if they did you know, five or six issues of this style in a row, it would probably wear thin on me. So I get what you're saying, and I think it's fine that you have an alternate point of view. I'm sure there's a handful of people out there or a certain percentage that feel the same way, and uh, I think it's a fair viewpoint. But I just like sort of a quick something different, and you have a mental picture of Duke that seems probably more developed than mine. Mine is such a blank slate that I just thought this was a really cool layer. And maybe this layer doesn't fit into your mental picture. And that's fine. He's a fictional character. We all interpret him different. So no problem with that. I think it's a fair point of view. I'm not mad at you. I'm not kicking you off. It's all the time we have, though. <laughs> it's a good thing Josh Blaylock isn't here. <laughs> Josh Blaylock goes, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> Do you know who I am? Do you know how old I was when I wrote this guy? <laughs> I was barely 15 years old when I wrote (laughs) Pat, you sounded like you wanted to weigh in, but we got carried away. Thoughts, Pat? Ryan does have a really interesting point, and I like that because it helps me open my mind up a little bit more to how someone else would look at it. You know, I go in reading it with my point of view and how I read Joe's, and so it's really refreshing to hear Ryan's take on it and Mm -hmm. how he loved the team. To Joe, sure. it's the team. To me, I think I like some characters more, but I still love the team as well, too. So it's very interesting. And I th- appreciate you, Ryan, for you know being bold enough to come and say that stuff. So it's I like your take on it. Yeah. That's the boldness of battle balls. Yes. <laughs> you, you got some big battle big, balls big there. Big brassy man. battle balls. Battle balls. That's, yep. that's him. <laughs> One of my final comments is I do like the sound effect given to the police cars that show up. Oh, the European siren. Yes. The neener, neener, neener. <laughs> <laughs> 
And like I noticed yep. that too. I was like, wow, he went all Classic. in on the uh, European siren, you know. <laughs> That's attention to detail right there. <laughs> and then one other thing, and I on the last page, they're in the house or whatever it is. And maybe it's just me reading into this a little bit more is there's some brick showing above the door frame. Yeah, yeah, I see it. Kind of looks like the Ninja Clan symbol. I think you're crazy, but okay. Yeah, maybe I'm just seeing things. <laughs> <laughs> you just uh, You just want some ninja action. I think that comes next episode. (laughs) Well, with that pat craziness in the bag, I will hand it back to DJ Cristados for the IG's report on the combat readiness of this issue. And for those of you who don't speak military like me, that means we're going to score this issue story on the same 1 to 10 flight points scale we used earlier. So, Ryan, what's it going to be? 1 to 10. I think as a story, I want to distance myself. I want to be completely objective and just not put my own biases against it and just look at the story itself. And I would give this... An eight, actually, as just like an adventure story. And partly as I just like how how quick it moves. It's a very fast read, maybe a little bit too fast. But yeah, without going into any other biases or what kind of Joe story I would want, I I would give this an eight for an eight battle points. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I think like deep down inside, his biases have it at like a six. But then if he read it as a Mission Impossible comic, he'd give it like a nine or a 10. So it, it balanced out at an eight. That's what I think. <laughs> That's probably pretty accurate. I'm in his headspace now. I've got it. I've got it. <laughs> you don't know me. You can't be in my mind. <laughs> well, Jared, go ahead and tell us what you're going to rate this story. I think I tip my cards, man. I love this story. It's a breath yep. of fresh air. I I kind of, in a sense, agree with Ryan. I wouldn't like to see a ton of these, but it's just sort of a quick palate cleanser after such a heavy four-issue story. I'm giving it a 10. I love this issue. I love the fact that it makes me care about Duke and get excited about what he's been doing in the, was it seven years off between G.I. Yeah, Joe and years. the reinstatement? I just think that's a really cool layer to put in there to add to his character. So I love it. I give it a 10. We got a 10 cover and a 10 story from me. This is a kind of a Hall of Famer for Jared, but maybe I'm alone. Maybe I'm not. What do you say, DJ Cristados? Well, Jared, I am going to be somewhere between an 8 and the 10. Ooh, where could it so, be? Where could it be? I don't know. The special ops. I'm going to make it a nine. I do like how this is kind of gives me that feel again as a special missions uh, where it's really concentrating on a few characters of G.I. Joe and Cobra sticking with a nine. I think it's fair. I think we're, we've got a nice little grouping going on here. Mm-hmm. Well, now let me ask you guys, if this was in the beginning of one through four, like a zero issue. It kind of almost is. Yeah. I mean, if you read it that way, mm-hmm. would it make you feel any differently? I like it where it is because those first four issues, we had the question in our back of our head. Why is Duke not in uniform? Why is he in a suit? Why does he seem to know more than everybody else? What's yeah. going on here? And then this gives us the reveal. That's just my thought. Ryan, you have thought on that? I don't know, because I also don't necessarily think this story is essential to our understanding of issues one through four. It's not. I think, I mean, if you took this story out of the series entirely, I don't think anything changes. So, yeah, I I don't know that. I I think if you put it as a zero issue or like a prologue, it almost, I think subconsciously I would kind of undervalue it and assume it like it's less important that way. So I wouldn't move it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, like remember when Wizard used to put out like the one half? Yeah, the yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. kind of. I can see where it would kind of feel like that, where it's kind of like a fun, kitschy thing. But do I need it? I mm-hmm. see your point. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. I think it's right in the great place in that run where Perfect it should spot. be. Perfect yeah. spot. Perfect spot. It's you know we always say kind of eat the filler, but mm-hmm. this was filler that I would eat some this more and more. Delicious on. filler. Yep. Cream filling. Mm, cream filling. <laughs> <laughs> Dude. <laughs> Oh, Duke. (laughs) And now with the flag points out of the way, let's find out the next award for the episode's Silver Star Medal or Silver Snake for Gallantry in Action. This is where we each get to award the character in this issue who went above and beyond the call of duty. So it's going to be a little bit, you know. <laughs> it's like 50 50 characters in this book. You're going to give a star or a snake, is really what this boils yeah. down to. So, Ryan, Bye. what's it going to be? <laughs> Jag, Aaron. I was going to go, I'm trying to battle Rob. balls, battle balls. <laughs> Mr. Balls, whatever you want. <laughs> Mr. Balls. So, Mr. Balls, <laughs> battle balls. Balls. 
since since I tend to lean towards the heroes in any event, yeah, I'm going to give the, the Silver Star to Duke. In the first episode of the cartoon, he described himself as a man of action, and we certainly see that in this one. I mean, he's got some killer action that I didn't even mention in my highs, like like Tom Cruise-style things, like from when he rides up on that jet ski and just like crashes right into the boat and in one motion punches Major Blood, takes, <laughs> takes his helmet off. And then when he gets on the motorcycle and he jumps down, like oh, like he takes the, the motorcycle off of the, like, the cliff to get onto the lower road area to chase Major Blood. And one detail that I've got to mention, because this is something that drives my wife crazy, because my wife rides a motorcycle and nothing takes her out of an action sequence or a movie or something faster than when people on motorcycles don't have eye protection. Mm. She, she like, <laughs> drives her crazy. She's like, I don't care if Captain America has super soldier serum. If he gets a fly hitting him in the eyeball or something when he's riding at 60 miles an hour, he's going to dump that bike and land on his butt. So I like that when Duke is chasing him on the motorcycle, he actually put on sunglasses. So just as a, as a detail, I like that little effort. So yeah, Duke gets the silver star. Jared. Man, it is close. It is really close because as mentioned before, I have two characters I had little care for. So I'm going to give the silver star to Duke, even though I really wouldn't mind giving a snake to Major Blood. They both were so elevated, but I think Duke got elevated even more just because of my earlier bias of not thinking he was very interesting, never been a huge Duke guy. I wouldn't say I disliked him. He was just there. And all of a sudden, as a James Bond guy, not only is he there, I'm like, I'm kind of digging Duke. So he had that more leader aspect to him that Mm -hmm. more, you know, this is above me. (laughs) Still has the worst intro of all the Joes. Remember when he starts like shooting his 45 and popping his mouth off at General Flagg's funeral? (laughs) (laughs) Like, what are you doing? (laughs) Well, you know what? But that makes it even interesting now that you mention that is because he wasn't even on the team when When Flagg died. Yeah, his introduction was at Flagg's funeral, which 22 is one of my all-time favorite issues, even though it's just about three funerals. Mm -hmm. But uh, I love that scene because it's the Cobra Rattler is attacking and Duke and Roadblock show up together. Duke with it with a sidearm and Roadblock with his 50 cal. I'm sure Duke's pistol really helped bring that round. <laughs> you never know, man. Good job, man. Good job. Yeah, in the end, I'm going to silver star to Duke, even though, you know, valiant effort by Major Blood and he was definitely an interesting and compelling villain. I'll let you round it out, DJ Cristados. I'm going to just agree with you guys as well, too. I mean, I think this was a real big Duke story to make him look really cool. So I'm definitely going to give it to Duke as well. And agree with you that Major Blood was no slouch on this one. Yeah, good story. If we had gotten a poem from Major Blood, that might have tipped Oh, oh, man. (laughs) I still regret not writing the summary in poem form. Where's my head at? I'm waiting for a Snake Eye-centric episode to where my summary will be like. (laughs) And what did you think? (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, well, with all that out of the way, let's get into Death Probe's toy chest. It's here, the G.I. Joe collection. Each sold separately. G.I. Joe from Hasbro. In this segment, I will take something or someone featured in this issue and give you a brief toy history on it and for this issue i have selected surprise surprise oh duke <laughs> duke as most of you will know his name is conrad hauser he is an e8 master sergeant born in st louis missouri his primary specialty is airborne infantry secondary specialty is artillery and small arms so he, if it shoots he knows how to use it basically and his figure description as if you didn't know he wore a tan shirt with green pants and brown boots he came with a helmet, a submachine gun, binoculars, and a backpack, and that oh-so-elusive flag decal that nobody really remembers. But there was a little tiny flag decal, and I remember using mine. And here's your figure history. Duke's first version came out as a Series 2 mail-in figure in 1983, and oh yes, I mailed in for it. Because I had all the flag points because my parents bought me everything. Jason didn't really chip yeah. in, which was weird. <laughs> How many flag points did you get on a Sky Striker? Uh, I think it was 4,000. Oh. <laughs> And then, of course, Duke was released carded in Series 3 in 1984 and ended up getting discontinued in 1986. He's a very popular character. As of this recording, there are 49 versions of the Duke figure. 49. He is outpaced by only three other characters when it comes to versions. That's kind of how you can tell the popularity scale. He is outpaced by... one of them is Chuckles. (laughs) Swing and a miss. Uh, I like Chuckles. uh, We got Snake Eyes. Cobra Commander and Storm Shadow are the only ones that are ahead of Duke. But at the end of the day, as much grief as I give Duke, I did like his figure. He was a welcome addition. You know, that was probably the first ever mail away figure I'd ever got. So it was so exciting given the mail. And I did the same thing with Hooded Cobra Commander, which I'll probably tell that story at a later date. I did have the carded Duke. Oh, you got carded Duke? Yeah. When he came out, I got him. Ah. 
can't remember because my brother would have gotten the figure first, even though he was sort of default because my brother wanted Flint. And so I got to be Duke because we kind of fell along those lines. But I don't know if it was the mail away or if it was the carded one. Couldn't tell you. Well, at least you had him. He had a cool design. He had a cool look. Nothing wrong with that. When the movie Predator came out and when I was old enough to like watch that, I started attributing the characters and Arnold's like squad of that movie to, the, to assigning them G.I. Joe's. And I always kind of basically, based on their look and their, their actions, I thought Duke and Dutch were the same, basically. Arnold's right. Roadblock was... Mac. The, Mac, yes. Okay. Rock, <laughs> Roadblock was Mac, and rock and roll would have been... Jesse the Bobby? Jesse, yeah, Jesse Ventura. What was his character's name? Shoot, I'm not going to remember. Anyway, yeah. Then, like, yeah, like, Zap is Poncho, and Stalker was Dylan, and everything. Yeah, like, oh, you had to have Spirit as... as, as yeah, as Billy, yeah. Billy, yeah. Now, let's let's play this. Let's play this out. Let's get our toys! <laughs> so, Hawkins was the communications guy, so he would have been Breaker, or... <laughs> I love that. I love that you cross-pollinated those two things. It makes sense, though, you know, but when you the, think about it. And at the Blaine, time, too. Blaine was the name of Jesse Ventura's character. Ah, look at you, the memory. You should be on Action Film Face-Off. During the 80s, you had a lot of military movies out. Mm-hmm. True. Happening. Very true. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, the mail aways that I ever got was Duke, Kudako, Commander, and I could swear, unless my memory's messed up, I think I got Wolverine and the Cover Girl as a mail-in vehicle. Wow. Unless I made that up in my head, yeah, I dude, could swear I fancy. got that in the mail. But hey, Pat, I will turn it back over to you, sir. All right. Well, next up is our feedback section called Combat Comms. As always, we will start off combat comms with a roster of our battle-hardened Crusader Club veterans. These are the fine folks that have joined our Crusaders Club. They enjoy discounts from Jared's online store. I got all the toys in the yard sale. <laughs> Artist. Dot com forward slash com. suck it, Jason. Yep. <laughs> really, it's the yard sale artist dot big cartel dot com. Early access to special Longbox Crusade episodes, free raffle giveaways, voting on show programming, and so much more. So, these are the folks reaping the benefits of giving some much-appreciated support to the show. Thank you for being a friend. Gerald Green. I, the Collector. Joe Thomas. Angelica Woof. Bill from the Bat Pod. Blast It or Stash It. Braxton Underwood. Reggie Hancock. Ronald Wentz. Samantha Meany. Sean Urbanski. Steve Cronin. Oh, Ryan Daly. Bat, bat, battle ball. <laughs> Bob Buster Buster. David Capuni. Dave Collins. Battle wagon. He's just a crazy old man driving a battle wagon. <laughs> Gene Hendricks. Ivor Evans. Jeremy L. Jim Jarman. John Watson. John and Maggie. I just recorded with them and they know what they did. <laughs> Jose Poyle. Maxwell Traver. Miranda W. Paul Hicks, but you can call him Flanger. I don't think I will. <laughs> Rick from Jeff and Rick Present. Arash Michaud. Tim, the ultimate price. Toronto Cop. And our one-time donor, Brafford Williams. If we missed anyone on the list, we apologize. Please keep in mind that we record these episodes well in advance of release, so if you're a recent addition, we should be adding you soon. But still, no worries. Just let us know that we missed you by sending an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com and we will get it straightened out. So, if you might be asking yourself, how do I become a Crusaders Club member? It's simple. It's so simple that even Ryan did it, as you could tell in our <laughs> reading of our Crusader Club members. Mm-hmm. So, just be like Ryan and just go ahead and head over to Patreon.com and search for Longbox Crusade, where for as little as a dollar a month, you'll get access to the amazing world of the Crusaders Club. Come, check it out. Ryan donates $600 a month. <laughs> He's our leading donor. Yes, and mm-hmm. if you can match that, <laughs> I will definitely have a conversation with Jared later on. <laughs> Ryan may give you a signed battle ball. <laughs> now, let's see what messages from our platoon of loyal listeners we have waiting for us on Breakers ComSat. Communications officer, code name Breaker. You know what? I'll kick this one off with a comment we got from one... Ryan Daly. Ryan said, and I'm going to do my best Ryan impersonation. Another great episode. I like how you invited Aaron onto the show, only to sideline him for your other guest. 
you try that crap with me, I'm going to go Saw Viper on you guys. Ooh. <clears throat> All right, how was that? Did that sound good? Does that sound like him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. I it's thought like- I had more of a, like a kind of Eastern accent to me. <laughs> in my head, I sound like very white. But in reality, I sound very white. But anyways, uh, yeah, (laughs) we did sideline Aaron when we had Josh on, but we had a lot of fun. Josh was fun. And Aaron was a he was a real sport about. So I assumed you were punishing him for something. (laughs) Well, we nine times out of ten, we are. (laughs) Uh, I think all the other ones are from GLHG. So which one do you want to take, Pat? That one I'm going to choose is from GLHG, and GL says, oh, one more thing. This is what you all get for not liking Duke. And it's an angry face. Angry face. Angry eyes. Except for Pat. Oh, that's me. He was with me. Ha, ha, ha. Smiley face. face. Well, good news, GLHG. This is the issue that turned me around. I became very pro-Duke as of issue five. Aaron, would you like to pick a GLHG comment? And finally, the trophies. Obviously, a special trophy to Josh for being a wonderful guest. The recurrent trophy for Aaron for making an appearance. And the final Halley goes to Christados for the mental image of you might be a ninja if... (laughs) (laughs) Now, in 2020, I vowed that I will claim all trophies, no matter who wins them. This happened in 2019, though. And I got to be honest with you, Pat. When I I listened to that episode and you were like, you might be a ninja. (laughs) I was peeing my pants. That was so funny. (laughs) A very golden moment for you, Pat. It's well deserved. Yeah, I have them once in a while. And I just want to. Hilarious. I like to thank the Academy. (laughs) Which is is GLA. Of stupidity. (laughs) Thank you. I was proud of you. That probably should tell you something. Mm, Not much. Not much. Yeah. All right. That will bring us to mission complete status for this episode of G.I. Joe Chronicles, The Devil's Do Years. If you'd like to hear more from us in the realm of comic books, action films, vintage TV, movies, and serials, and more, check out the entire Longbox Crusade Network. I'll read it as written. DJ Cristados. Where can they find that? Well, Jared, I'm glad you asked. You can find Longbox Crusade on the iTunes, Google Play, and most podcatchers, or at www.longboxcrusade.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Longbox Crusade. Back to you, Jared. All right, buddy. And you know what? I have been remiss for, this is five episodes now. I have not made a big enough deal out of it, but our intro and outro theme is freaking killer. And that Mm -hmm. is by our on-staff musical genius, Joe November. He's amazing. I love what he did with that theme. If you haven't really paid attention to it, put an ear on it. It's really quite good. And if you're a podcaster out there, Joe would be more than happy to make tracks for you as well. So if you need to get up with Joe November, just hit us up at Longbox Crusade and we will get you in touch with Joe. It's fantastic. With that out of the way, if you'd like to chat with us online, I can be found at Yard Sale Artist. That's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Pat. Thanks, Jared. I'm glad you asked. I can be found at Christatos01 on the Twitter. And Battle Balls, Ryan Daly, where can you be found? You can find me on Facebook and Twitter. Just look for the name that sounds like mine. You can also find most of my work at the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I am the host of Cheers Cast, which is an index show going through my favorite TV show, Cheers. I also host a number of other shows, including Fire and Water Records, sometimes Batman Nightcast, sometimes Give Me Those Star Wars, just a lot of times just a Find Your Joy special on FW Presents. All those can be found at the Fire and Water Podcast Network. And if you want to interact with us via the live chat and be entered to win some free stuff on our live raffles, you can join us for our next episode of doing it live stream over on youtube we do them most of the time on the second sunday of every month unless mother's day falls on it which that happens to us every may we bump to the third sunday we'll keep you up to date on that anyway we start at 3 30 p.m central time you can get signed up for that by looking up long box crusade on youtube We'd really appreciate a subscription to our channel and click the bell so you get reminder notifications of when we go live. It is a fun hodgepodge of things. We play games or I draw pictures or, geez, what else have we done, Pat? We play Dictionary, Hero Clicks, Trivia Challenges. The most fun is just responding to people in the chat and having a conversation. So please meet us there second Sunday of the month at 3.30 p.m. Central Time. 
You know what I like to do, Pat, even though it's not in the script? Walks on the beach. Yes, and listener raffles. Oh. If you've made it this far and you've put up with all that rigmarole that we just put you through, I have the trade paperback of G.I. Joe Reinstated, which is a trade of the first four issues of this series that I am going to give away. If you'd like to be entered for that, just hit us up on our Facebook, our Twitter, or our Instagram. Use hashtag Joe Reinstated. Once again, that's hashtag Joe Reinstated. You'll be automatically entered to win. And we will reveal who the winner is on the next episode. And once again, you will win the trade paperback of the first four issues of this series called Reinstated. Hashtag Joe Reinstated. Awesome. Thanks for listening to this episode of G.I. Joe Chronicles, The Devil's Do Years. We will see you on the battlefield next episode where we will cover issue number six. Until then, platoon, fall out. Yo, Yo Joe. Joe. It's number 11. It's Wild Bill. <laughs> number 12 is Airborne. Yeah. <laughs> Airborne, huh? Yeah, that's one I hadn't even thought about. I thought he thought just looked cool, even though he never did anything. The music themes for this show are done by musical genius Joe November. Please check out his SoundCloud at Joseflin99. That's J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You will not regret it. Welcome to G.I. Joe Chronicles, the Devil Do's Years. <laughs> yes! He screwed it up again. <laughs> Damn it. And joining me, as always, is my battle buddy in this operation, Gerald Arbor. See, now I'm really... <laughs> Four years. <laughs> Four years. Yep. Still going strong. If you want, I can do this part for you. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. I got it. But thank you, Ryan, for stepping in. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> we needed outtakes anyway. <laughs> oh, I'm sure we're going to get a lot. Right here. <laughs> and joining me, as always, is my battle buddy in this operation, Gerald Albrick, the yard sale <laughs> artist. <laughs> Gerald. Take three. Gerald. Take three. Oh, I didn't say Gerald. I don't know. Thank anyway. you, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> hey. This one just made my tummy feathers want to puke. I just, you know. <laughs> That's my Lady J impression. Oh, it's not Dale Arden. Ah. It's not Mary J. It's Lady, Lady J. J. You can handle this, Major Blood. Sky. I'm going to go hang with Destro. <laughs> I'm exhausted and change all kind of colors. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. But. I don't either. It sounds like he needs to give himself Ooh. checks. <laughs> <laughs> He said he's going to let me play with his snake. <laughs> That's enough. Moving on. <laughs> um, Is it a spitting cobra? <laughs> Once you get close and find out. <laughs> God, we're off the rails. These are the fine folks that have joined our crusade. That have joined our crusades club. Okay, it's misspelled. It's Crusaders Club. You know what okay. it is. <laughs> I, I go out of the way to read the words that you have <laughs> you're, written. You're here. Rod Burgundy me on this, aren't you? <laughs> Oh, I was going to ask you. Oh, well, I was. You know what? Let's let Aaron ask. I always ask. Aaron's not here right now. I mean, Aaron. <laughs> I, did, I, I was boxed myself with my earlier joke. <laughs> Damn it, Jared. It's getting late over here. Comstat. 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 What? <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Comstat. Stat. That's what I said. No, Comstat. I said Comstat. It's not Comstat. There's only one T. <laughs> it stands for Communication Satellite. Comsat. Comsat. Got it. <laughs> Enter sound effects here. Oh, what do I say? It's stat? Oh, I stat. say stat. Oh. <laughs> Hot takes. Okay. We'll fix it in post.